Welcome to the Total Health Evolution Podcast, where we discuss exercise, nutrition, and lifestyle tips to help you live a healthier, happier life. And now, your host, Derek White. Welcome to episode number 19 of the Total Health Evolution Podcast. During the last episode, I spoke about procrastination and I received a pretty impressive response. And that made me realize that not only are there people out there who are having issues dealing with procrastinating, but there are so many people out there who want to stop procrastinating. They realize that when they put things off, it only makes it harder for them to feel accomplished and they're growing tired of being the reason for their own stagnation. So for those people who have reached out to me and those who have listened to the episode, you have my greatest respect. You are doing whatever it takes to move in the right direction. And for that, I admire you. So if you're battling with procrastination and you just want a few tips to learn whatever it is that you need to do to get over that hurdle, that one thing that's holding you back from reaching your goals, whether it be life goals, professional goals, fitness goals, whatever it is, I want you to take a step back and listen to episode number 18. Now, while I'm on the topic of self-improvement and moving in the right direction, I want to talk about today's guest. He made some really bad decisions in his former life, and I want to make sure I put emphasis on former life. Because his new life is completely different and it changes the lives of so many others. Now, I'll get right into that interview after today's Fit Tip. There are times when people get so caught up on eating the right things that they only focus on either including or eliminating certain meats, carbs, and fats. But rarely do you ever hear about people talking about taking in more fiber. You'll see people post like, I'm taking in more protein, I'm dropping my carbs, or I'm taking in more healthy fats. Things of that nature, but you never see anybody just post hey i'm taking in more fiber and it's probably because people directly associate fiber with poop that's the only purpose it serves is to help me poop and nobody wants to publicly talk about anything that deals with their poop right but this is the thing even if you don't want to talk about it you need to at least know about it now as i just mentioned fiber does help with keeping you regular or in other words it helps you poop because nobody wants to feel constipated you don't want that it's painful it sucks you don't want that medical bill you don't have to make that random trip to the store to pick up metamucil right but fiber also helps you feel fuller for longer periods of time, which helps you with trying to keep those hunger pains in check. Now, sometimes, especially in the fitness community, you'll see people post like the angry cat memes that says that they're feeling hangry. Right now, hangry is a funny word because it's supposed to be a mix of hungry and angry and pretty much mean that you're so hungry that you're starting to get angry. And that word has always tickled me. And the only reason why I bring it up is because when you do go into a caloric deficit, especially initially, you will get hungry and you may not be the funnest person at the party at times. You may not get invited back, right? But fiber helps with the offsetting that hunger, which helps control your eating habits because you won't feel this emptiness in your stomach that you're just tempted to fill with whatever, which helps you withstand in that deficit you need to remain in in order to lose weight if losing weight is in fact your goal. Do you see how it all comes together? So where do you get fiber and how much should you consume? Your primary sources of fiber are your whole grains, beans, nuts, your seeds, fruits, and veggies. Those are all great sources of fiber. And when you're trying to figure out how much you need to consume, you need to think about how many calories you're taking in. For those of you who are winging it, this is just yet another reason for you to start tracking your intake. I'm going to beat that into you like crazy. But when it comes to your fibers, the recommended daily intake for fiber is 14 grams per 1000 calories. It's not a lot. And with fiber, a little bit goes a long way. So please, 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 please make sure you are making it a point to include fiber rich sources into your dietary goals. Now, let's get to today's interview. Have you hit a fitness plateau? Let us help. Total Health Evolution provides online fitness plans customized to fit your needs regardless of where you are. It's time to feel confident in your appearance and take the guesswork out of the fitness journey. Visit TotalHealthEvolution.com slash get fit to get started on your customized plan today. 
Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Total Health Evolution Podcast. If you don't know already, I'm really big on stories about people who came from something, those from whence we came type of stories. And to me, they're really profound because a lot of people go through different things, and a lot of times they come to these brick walls, and they feel like those things are permanent. And to find people who have gone through those same situations, and they they never lost sight of what the end goal is. They never let different challenges find themselves as permanent conditions. They only allow them to be temporary. Those things motivate me, and I'm very inspired by them. And one day I was I decided to go on LinkedIn and just kind of look over a few things about business, and I came across this picture of a gentleman wearing a cap and gown. And the caption says something to the effect of a felon to a master's degree. And I was inspired just by the caption itself, and I had no choice but to reach out to this gentleman. I had the pleasure of contacting Mr. Kayla Norris. And to tell you the truth, I wish I could say I know him personally. I mean, we've definitely connected a little bit offline, and I can honestly say that there's a type of brotherhood there. But um, the guy is extremely motivating, and I can assure you, you'll just be just as inspired as I was. But without further ado, I want to welcome to the show Mr. Kalen Norris. Hey, how's it going, Kalen? What's going on? How you doing? Not too bad. And can you please tell our listeners your story? Because I don't want to ruin it for them, but I want you to pretty much give your background and just let them know exactly where you came from and pretty much where you are now. Okay, so starting off, just I mean, this, listen, this is a long story. This is a long testimony, so I'm a, I'll make it as short as possible so we can really get into the meat and potatoes. But uh, so I graduated high school back in 2006. ESPN had me ranked the 27 best linebacker in the country. I ended up getting into a, a spot of trouble the night before my 18th birthday, July 13, 2006, ended up getting put on probation. I still was able to go out to school and play football. And uh, from there, what happened was everything was going good on the court. I mean, everything was going good on the field. I was on the verge of getting ready to transfer to my Division One AA school. And uh, I came home on spring break, probably the worst day of my life, March 14, 2008, Went to Panama City with my friends, ended up getting arrested, violated my probation, went from spending, you know, went from playing football to I spent 20 months in the Department of Corrections. Um, then from there, I got out December 3rd, 2009, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. You know, seven felonies on my record. No clue what I was going to do, but I, you know, I pushed forward, kept it started going back to school. Um, I enrolled at the University of Central Florida fall 2011. And, you know, life still wasn't done testing me, still making bad decisions, hanging out with the wrong people. Fall 2000, no, spring 2012, I ended up getting falsely accused of sexual battery. For nine months, I had to walk around with two leg monitors on my leg, uh, 15,000 from a lawyer. And that was, uh, that was just, a, that was a rough period of my life. And it was during that time where I read a book called As a Man Thinker by James Allen. And it was a quote in the book that said, in life, you will be what you will to be. And uh, December 23rd, 2012, I got a renewed lease on my life, and uh, I got back. I start, I enrolled back at the University of Central Florida, and I was like, okay, it's time to start doing something different. So I started changing my environment, started controlling who I was hanging around and spending my time with, and I really just got focused. I mapped out this vision that I wanted, to, that I wanted for my life, and I just started executing. And even when, you know, you everything going right, you still, you know, life still will test you. It's like a roller coaster ride. And uh, fall 2013, 
going into my last semester in school, I ended up going to the hospital because I was hallucinating. I'm seeing people walk through the walls and um, things of that nature. So I ended up going to the hospital and they said, well, you have this rare form of pneumonia called Legionella pneumonia. Uh, so I sat in the hospital for 11 days fighting for my life. I had to get five blood transfusions, both my kidneys shut down and my liver stopped working. And then at that moment, I realized like, man, you know, like you here on this earth for a purpose. So I ended up graduating first generation the, that next semester, 2014, and fast forward to current day, you know, I just graduated with my master's, first generation in industrial and organizational psychology. Uh, that is really powerful to me. And one of the things that you mentioned that stood out to me the most um, was you mentioned the people that you had around you. And I think that plays such a huge part in a lot of people's success and a lot of times the decisions they make. Um, a lot of times we kind of gravitate towards a crowd that will kind of support what we feel like we should be doing or things that we're used to or even support some of our own insecurities. But I'm glad that you brought that up. But that's really a powerful story. Um, not only did you spend time in the in prison, but you also had your, your, your life almost ended. I mean, those are some pretty huge wake-up calls. Um, and like I said before, I, I like those from whence I came stories. But and while on the topic of uh, people who have been incarcerated and decided to make a change for the better, I have I have to bring up my younger brother. And I'm not being biased about it. I mean, I, of course, I love my younger brother, but he did time in prison as well. And he's one of the most motivational people. He's most, one of the most inspirational people I, I know because after he came out of prison. He didn't let anything stop him. Now, of course, he faced some hardships, and um, he was turned down for jobs, and he faced a lot of adversity, but he never let that hold him back. And to this day, he is still making moves forward. He's still doing well. He's still educating himself, and and he's doing everything that he loves. He's not letting that hold him back. So things like that are something that really inspire me. And to me, it takes a completely different mentality to do to do something that you really want to do considering the circumstances. All right. Now, obviously as a felon, uh, you had a lot of challenges in front of you. You had a lot of brick walls that you walked into. You had a lot of no's. You had a lot of people looking at you certain ways. I mean, these are things that will pretty much even things that's just a percentage of that will make so many people quit. But I don't know. It's what were you thinking whenever you, cause obviously there had to be a point where you wanted to give up. You wanted to just say, screw it. Um, I'm a felon. This is holding me back. Nobody's ever going to hire me. Nobody's going to let me into their schools. This is going to hold me back forever. Like, what was it that, what were you thinking to make you continue pushing forward? For my number one motivating factor at this point is, you know, making my mother proud because I remember being in the courtroom on, on when I did get sentenced and, you know, my mama, she fall on the ground, she crying. And it's like, man, you know, like that's that's the one woman in this world that, you know, cares about you and you just let her down. So when I got out, I was like, man, listen, we got to go. You know, we we need to get back on track. You know, I was never a bad person. Like my for me, like we talked about earlier with not only controlling the people that you're around, but controlling the environment. And it, it, at each time I looked at each isolated incident, I got in trouble because I was under the influence of alcohol. So I needed to start controlling that environment before I was able to become successful, but I had to, I thought, I thought about my mama 
and then I thought about all the people who was that I needed to make sure I made it for coming behind me because I remember when I first got out, I was like, man, you know, I don't have anybody to look up to or reach out to that's in this situation because it's one thing to say you're a motivational speaker, but you didn't go through what I went through, so you really can't relate to me. And uh, so it was it was a combination of my mother, my family, and then just the people that I knew that needed me to succeed because I'm about to change the world. And I, I had no choice but to continue to keep pressing forward. I like that. Uh, I really like that. That's uh, one of the things I mentioned on a previous podcast is how um, a lot of people will say, especially in the fitness industry, uh, remember why you started. Remember why you started. And that, to me, is so cliche just because why you started is not necessarily what's going to keep you going. All right. It has to be something more along the lines of um, – why do you want to keep going? It's never really just why you started because why you started could be something that's completely superficial, but it doesn't, it doesn't stay with you day after day. Now, being that you're in a position of leadership and you know what you were lacking and you don't want somebody else to go through that same thing, that is something that would, that I would say is something that would keep you going. So it's not necessarily one of those, uh, remember why you started because that's not, that's not the reason why you first started. Like you started for a completely different reason, but that's something that you adopted over time that became more important to you. Uh, not letting your mom down and making sure that you you set yourself up as a good role model for those people that you didn't want to walk in your same footsteps uh, or your previous footsteps. Of course, you want them to walk in the footsteps that you're in now, but for totally different reasons. Now, with that, to me, I'm real big about leadership. I love leadership and when you mention something like that, that just speaks leadership to me. Um, and with that, you have an athletic background. As you sp- said before, uh, you were a linebacker, and you obviously were one of the – you were a great one because you were recognized by ESPN as one of the best in the nation. Would you say that football played a part in being strong whenever you faced adversity and developing leadership uh, qualities and want to be the one who really just took charge. Do you, would you say that football played a part of that or just been an athlete, period? I think definitely being an athlete, period, because it's like you always want to compete. Like, for me, my life, everything is a competition. Whether it's a, a said or uh, unspoken rule, everything in life is a competition. So uh, right now what I'm realizing is the biggest competition is the man that's looking at you in the mirror. So – I said, and I said, I told myself this this morning. I'm not, I'm not here trying to prove anything to anybody else but myself, and it's putting myself in a position where I'm seeking continuous improvement every day to make sure that I'm leading the ones that's coming behind me because that's all that matters. Because it's, I can't, like, I can't, I, I will never be a hypocrite. I can never put myself in it in a position in the room for the people and speak to them and then say, you need to do this and you need to do that, but I'm not doing it myself. So I have to lead by my examples that I'm leading, you know, that I'm putting forth into the world. So that way, when, he, you know, when I had these kids that I'm speaking in front of and these athletes that I'm speaking to and they sending me messages on, on social media, like, man, thank you. You saved my life. That makes me feel good. And it's like, okay, I'm practicing what I'm preaching. So it's a testament. It's a testament to my leadership abilities. I don't think you could have said it better, man. I don't think you could have said it better. And I actually almost forgot my next question for you, just listening to you talk about that. But with that, of course, tying in, and I don't want to linger on it too much, but um, just with the incarceration and now tying in to you and your uh, position of leadership and 
the message you want to send out and the message you want people to receive, you, you deal with a lot of people's perception. And I know for a fact that, especially being a fitness professional, a lot of the clients that I take on, um, well, I'm not going to say a lot. That would be unfair uh, statistically. But some people that I take on are battling with other people's perception of them. Um, and, of course, you have uh, social media out there that are that consistently portrays people to be perfect and ideal. And, of course, just with your background and experience, you've had to deal with that, like, an obvious imperfection. And with that, people have um, – there's a stigma about people who have been incarcerated and what they perceive as the future for them, all right? So they see them as people who become um, frequent flyers of the prison system. They see them as people who won't be productive citizens. I mean, there's just a lot that circulates around people who have done time now. I want to try to tie this into as much of just everyday life as possible, but when there are moments when you feel like you need to, are there moments where you feel like you need to be different from what people than who you really are? Do you have do you feel like you have to step outside of who Kalen really is to be accepted? And basically, how do you deal with people's perception? Because I know that you see it. Like a lot of times, like you can see it coming at you before it's even presented. Like, yeah. how do you deal with that perception of other people? That's a good. From other people. That's a good question. So for me, I try to make. Every day, like I said, I'm seeing continuous improvement to make myself the best version of me possible. So with that being said, you know, the stigma is there. And the stigma is not going to go away. Like if you was to Google my name, because I told you about the, uh, being falsely accused of sexual battery. If you was to Google my name, the first thing that pops up is UCF student arrested for sexual batteries. So like, I live with that every day. But what your past doesn't define you. And if Anyone is in a room with me for longer than 30 seconds, they're like, man, I really like that, the energy this guy's putting on. Or he, man, he, he's intellectual. He's intelligent. So I, when, just my presence in the room alone speaks for itself. But and when I open my mouth and they see the intelligence that I possess and the intellectual prowess, and the, it, that's pretty much that's my um, stamp of approval. And as far as the perceptions, the, the perception of what or how America views me, to be honest with you, it doesn't matter to me because because regardless, I'm I'm going to make it. Like I'm still gonna do everything that I want to do, from being the number one motivational speaker in the world to buying my mom my house. Because I feel like it's my mentor told me a, a few months ago. He he we was talking about Arthur Ashe and you know him being one of the first black. Uh, one of the first African-American tennis players, and he was saying that he didn't need to come out and speak on racial issues because his presence alone was motivating enough for the younger African-American kids that's coming up scared to play the game of tennis. So I feel the same way, like regardless of, you know, whatever I've been through is going it, it's from the time I take foot in front of a room full of people. I'm motivating. I'm inspiring the kid. I'm inspiring a little kid that's in that room just because he's like, man. This guy, if he's doing it, then I can do it. So for me, I just use the the perception and the stigma that's associated with my name. I use that as fuel for me to keep going. You know, like let's keep grinding because it's somebody dependent on you. I really like that because there, there's a lot of times when people will look at some of the things they went through in their past, and um, of course, fitness ties into confidence a lot of times, and people hold on to things from the way folks viewed them as kids and 
probably bad relationships and things of that nature. And a lot of times they let that, that hold them down. And whenever they're walking up to somebody new or they're introducing themselves to like a group of people, they're wearing that, that idea on their shoulders. Like they're going to view me as this, they're going to look at me this way. And one of the biggest things that I try to push to people is don't worry about that. Like you said earlier, you have to look at that person in the mirror and recognize that regardless of what's going on, you have to compete with that person that you're looking at. You have to strive to be better than you were yesterday because that's at the end of the day, that's what's important. Those people who are viewing you in a negative way, they shouldn't have the, the amount of power that you give them when it comes to how you feel about yourself. So I think that's really powerful and that's something I really want all the listeners, all you listeners, I want you to take that home with you. Just think about that. Whenever you're walking up and you're thinking that people are viewing you a certain way or they're looking at your body image or the way you carry yourself, screw them. You have to do what's best for you. You have to think about where you want to be this time next year and continue pushing forward. Okay, I don't, I don't want to stay on the topic of your past too much, but I really feel like it gives our listeners the idea that you can't overcome the barriers that life puts in your way because realistically life just happens a lot of times and we can sit down and we can put up a dream board or a vision board and write down all these different things that we want to accomplish over a certain amount of time and sure enough over that whatever time period you can write down next to each one of those items uh, the different things that happen just because life has a way of kind of intervening and letting you know that it's just not perfect all right and as I said before, a lot of people make these temporary roadblocks permanent, and that's not something that I want them to do. I don't want them to walk away thinking that because I try to strive for this certification and I got fired, now I can't do it or something along those lines. So, But aside from being a, a convicted felon, you're much more than that, You, <laughs> way much more than that. You've, uh, you've made some tremendous strides. You've You've been in some horrible situations, and you've never let that stop you. And one of the things that you just accomplished was your master's in industrial and organizational psychology, which I'm not sure if a lot of people know that, but in terms of uh, the psychology field, especially on the bachelor's level, it's one of the it's one of the higher end psychology degrees, and you got your master's in it, which speaks volumes of you. Why did you choose this route of all the other fields? What made you go into something that that puts you into the mix of pretty much assessing and uh, pretty much identifying problems. Uh, what was it about that field that drew you in? Well, to be honest with you, when I was in undergrad, going into my senior year, one of my professors, she was she was actually the head of the I.O. program. And then she was she was like, yeah, well, you know, I.O. psychology, the scientific study of the workplace and you can do consulting or you can work for this type of business. And like just the way that she the way that she painted the picture for him was like, man, if I, I can do all this with that degree. So I was so in my head, I was like, I knew I, I knew at that moment that I wanted to get into speaking at some point in time. But to go, you know, to, but to you know to take the lid off and take it a step further, I knew that I also wanted to get into consulting. So this, you know, my story is one thing, but at the same time, I'm so much more than just, oh, this, oh, this guy, he he went to prison and now he has a master's degree. Okay, yeah, that's cool, that's my story, and that's what's motivating the world. But when you actually sit down and let's actually talk about it, you know, I can make organizations run more efficiently. I can make you, I can motivate your employees. I can empower, you know, empower your employees. And I felt like that would that is a, a valuable skill set that I needed to acquire moving forward in my career. 
So that would be the reason why I chose IO Psych. Do you feel like um, just your position as being someone who consults companies, do you think that uh, your past, do you think that plays a part in how you perform? Do you feel like it forces you to want to outperform everybody across the board? Is that one of those uh, competition against self type of things? Well, I heard this a long time ago when I used to play football. When your number is called, you must perform. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much my go-to slogan in time and situation like that. When it, when, like when you go to the gym and you go train somebody, or you know, you about to go in, you didn't took your pre-workout, you about to go get it in, you know, it's time to perform. And, it's like I just so for me, I take that same mentality into every type of any kind of consulting gig or any type of speaking engagement. Like my number is called I'm beating myself on the chest before I walk in because I'm full because I'm full of energy. And these people before I leave out of this room, these people going to feel this passion, the passion that I have for what I'm doing. So it's just hey, your number is called. You got to perform, period. And any situation, you have to make sure that you give your best. So I think that's pretty much applicable to just about any life decision that you make. I know a lot of people out there procrastinate. They have something that they really want to do. And at that point in time, I guess they don't recognize that if you have something that you want to do at that point in time, your number is being called. Like that's your time to go out there and give your best, give your very best, make a, and make sure that you, you set the standard for yourself of nobody else. Like, I really like that your number's been called. If you don't mind, I might use that again in a future podcast. Oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, (laughs) somebody told it to me. So, you know, so we have a tendency to regurgitate information. So that's all that was. Especially valuable information. Uh, One of the things, uh, I have uh, someone I'll be interviewing here in the next couple of days. She's she's a child dietitian, shall I say. She's a dietitian, but she specializes in... um, and making sure that we're fighting child obesity at all costs. And I just bring that up because I want to get into the kids that you speak with. Because you work with a lot of kids uh, with your speaking engagements, I'm sure you speak to a lot of young athletes. But kids have always been impressionable. That's just how kids are. They're very impressionable. They want to learn. They're sponges. And they're... To me, I feel like they're surrounded by a lot of negativity. Uh, of course, I beat up on social media quite a bit just because it's so powerful right now. Very. And it it definitely has more influence than it did, of course, when we were younger. I mean, we didn't have social media. I mean, social media for us or social for us was actually talking to people, <laughs> being around folks. And, of course, that has its, uh, its ups and downs. But. What do you say to kids that you come across? Like, what message are you trying to convey to them? And what exactly are you hoping to take from it? From my message, so I call my message, I tell them that your success in every aspect of your life is E3. That's what I call it. I say, you know, you got to focus your energy, got to give maximum effort, and you got to go all in with your enthusiasm. So most specifically, how you were talking about to the kids, it's, you know, the vision that you have for your life at, a, at an early age, whether you are in ninth grade, middle school, elementary, high school, like it's most specifically towards going towards middle school, high school, you know, what vision that you have for your life. And the way, the only way that you get there is to focus your energy on every aspect of the process from, of you. so most 
if you're a football player, okay, you know you don't need to be at McDonald's. You don't need to eat junk food. You need to make sure that you are eating the proper nutrition that, that will allow you to perform at maximum efficiency on the football field, on the basketball court, on the baseball field. So that's the first thing I tell them, listen, let's come up with a vision. Let's, let's, let's come up with a vision and then let's create the, the strategic plan of action for your life to make sure that you get there. Then, then I tell them you got to go all in. Like you got to have, you got to, doing what's required of your life is never enough. You have to, you have to exceed expectations. Like you need to, you need to exert maximum effort. And like my thing for that is I tell them, you know, Debo, and you know, that's the acronym and it stands for don't be outworked. And that applies to every aspect of, of the life because what I run into a lot is kids saying, oh, well, I want to go to, I want to go play D1 football or D1 basketball. But then when you ask them, well, what, well, what do your grades look like? Um, it's, oh, I have under 3.0. I got a 2.2 or 2.3. Well, you know, you can't, and then I tell them, like, you can't have D1 work ethic on the field, but then you have NAIA work ethic in the classroom. Like, you know, it, it, it just doesn't correlate because then you'll end up playing junior college and then you'll feel sad for yourself. You're going to feel sad because, Oh man, if I would have worked a little bit harder, I could have made it to D1. But it don't work like that. So the time is now. So you gotta, you gotta be Debo. And everything that you do, don't be outworked. And the only person that outwork is yourself, really. And then, then all in with your enthusiasm because, you know, like when you coming from whatever background you come from, whether it's a lower socioeconomic or you middle class or, you know, you come from the affluent community, regardless, you still gotta believe in yourself. You know, and that's like the first part about it. Like you can do anything in this world as long as you believe and you can see the vision because that's the first part of the process is seeing the vision that you have for your life and then ex- exert maximum effort to get there. And that's it. Oh, that was specifically for kids. But I want you to tell me how you feel adults could use this because a lot of adults, they feel like, you know, you can't teach a dog old tricks or new tricks. And they've already lived X amount of years, 20, 30, 40, 50 years old plus, And they feel like, you know, where I am now is where I'm going to be. Uh, and, I mean, they still face those same challenges of being impressionable and uh, self-doubt and things of that nature. Like, what message would you send to adults? I tell them the same thing because this e, cause when I tell them E3, like, this, ain't, this is something I, that I came up with. Like, this is my life. So, you know, it, from what you were talking about, uh, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I could have said the same thing, and that was the case, and I would have been a repeat offender going back in and out the cycle. So, with that being said, like this E three formula that I'm that I'm talking about, like this is what I actually did for my life, and it works. So I would tell an adult the same thing. Okay, well, you saying that you have all these obstacles and these roadblocks to overcome. Okay, well, guess what? Let's identify the root cause of the problem. And let's and let's implement a, some type of project to alleviate that problem, right? So then, bam. So that's still focusing because now all we're doing now is we're focusing on the problem. And then, and then once you focus and you come up with the vision, then maximum effort. Like you got to give maximum effort. Just like okay, you going to work, cool. Or you know you working because I'm sorry, but once you get into the corporate world and you start working uh, 40, 50 hours a week, then it's like you get off work. Oh, I want to go home and watch TV and. Or I want to go home and eat and just chill and not do nothing because I've been at work all day. Okay, well, guess what? If you if you exerting that maximum effort, you will go you will go work your eight to five, come home and grind out for two more hours on your vision to make your vision become a reality. And then all in with your enthusiasm because if I didn't believe in myself, I would still be I would still be down in the dumps, seven felonies on my record, feeling sorry for myself. But guess what? I believed that 
okay, it's two poles in life. You got the victim and then the victor pole. And for even when I got out of prison, I still was hanging on to the victim pole, feeling sorry for myself. But then I'm like, you know what, man, you did all these, you're doing these great things. It's time to start swinging from the victim pole. And it, it, at that moment, it was like, okay, I went in all in, I went all in with my enthusiasm and started believing in myself. And I feel like those, those are the three aspects. Those are the three critical uh, foundations for success in life, whether you are adult or kid, it, it applies to everybody. I really like that victim versus the victor. I like that a lot. And I, I think, uh, I think that's something that will resonate really well with a lot of the listeners because once again, they, they face these challenges and I don't think a lot of people realize how much they place themselves in that position of being the victim. And it's, it's something that's really odd because so many people have just incredible potential. They could do just about anything they want to, but because they place themselves in that position of being a victim, they can't really move past step one. And so they were just, they just stay there. And all they do is just sit there and they just, they think about what they should be doing and what they could have done. And before you know it, time has already passed and so much could have already been accomplished. But uh, what was the E3? What does that stand for again? It stands for energy, effort, and enthusiasm. I like that. I like that a lot. Now, we're coming down to the end of the interview, but can you please leave our listeners with something that they can take with them? A lot of these people who listen to the show, um, they're looking to improve themselves. They're looking for that next step of their life. They're looking to close out one chapter, and that's what I refer to birthdays uh, these days, been in my mid thirties, I refer to them as chapters. So as they come to the close of one chapter and start another chapter in their lives, and of course they could do that just by the day. Um, they should, I feel like they should have accomplished something. They should be able to look at the previous chapter and say, during this chapter, I've accomplished a, B and C. And during this chapter, I'm going to accomplish X, Y, and Z. But I feel like people should listen to what you're saying. And just think about what it is that you've been through and what, what all you've accomplished and just really let the message sit with you. But I would like for you to share something with them along the terms, lines of self-development or just whatever it is that they're going through. I mean, just you're Kalen. So, I mean, share a message, please. This is, and this is about to sound very unique, but this is, this is something that I recently went through and it opened my eyes. So I have to ask you this question. Do you know how to cook rice? I do. Okay, so for the last two years, I've been telling myself, never buy, you know, the parboiled rice in a bag. You don't know how to cook it. Every time you cook it, you mess it up. So for the last two years, I've been telling myself that because, you know, I do, a, you know, I'm real, I'm real big into the fitness as well, so I try to eat healthy. So for the last two years, I would never cook rice. Graduation, my mother, she came up here and um, she brought some rice and she left it. And she was like, you should probably cook this rice. And I'm like, no, nah, mom, I don't know how to cook rice. I can't do it. So then she cooked it for me. And then once that ran out, uh, a few days, maybe three days ago, I'm sitting there like, you know what? I'm about to cook this rice. You know, I'm about to cook this rice. So I attempted to cook the rice and I did it. And I'm like, man, for the last two years, I've been telling myself that I couldn't cook rice, but I just did it. So that led me to believe that people in life we tell ourselves that we really can't do something but hot but do you really try you know so for two years i said i couldn't cook rice but then the one time i said you know what i'm actually going to try to cook this rice i did it so i asked you what is it in your life that you haven't been doing because you said you couldn't do it have you tried 
Like, have you been, you know, have you, have you focused in? Had, had, were you following the proper instructions that it was going to take you to execute and achieve what it was you said you was going to do? So I just, I just challenge everybody to that thing that, that you struggling with, that you know you want to do, that you haven't done yet, or you, are you scared to try? Just do it. You know, spread your wings. Because remember, it's a process. And you might mess it up the first time, or you might not do it right the first time. But just trust the process and know that you will be perfected through the process as opposed to wanting to do everything perfect the first time. So just go ahead and listen. Like like I cook my rice, go ahead and cook your rice. And whatever, and whatever in a form of whatever that's coming in, whether it's you and get, jumping in the stock market and investing or, or, or in the gym grinding because you want to get your, your body fat down to under 10%, whatever it is, man, cook the rice. I like that a lot. And where can our listeners find you or learn more about you? Well, so my website is www.kalen, that's K-A-L-A-N, Norris, N-O-R-R-I-S dot com. And then that my, my handles on social media for Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, all social media is at Kalen Norris, so K-A-L-A-N-N-O-R-R-I-S. I like it a lot. Now, any of the people out there listening, I hope this message really hit you and get you thinking about some of the things that you've been through and just know that whatever it is that you're facing right now is not the end. It's not the end at all. And you have so much more ahead of you, but it's, it really comes down to you looking in the mirror and just convincing that person that you see that it can be done. But I want to thank you again for allowing me to interview Kaylin and I know that we kind of connected a little, a little quick. I just saw your post on LinkedIn. I just had to reach out to you, but I have no doubt that we'll definitely connect again in the future, and I'm looking forward to that next uh, the next time we connect. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. I appreciate you for giving me this opportunity. All right. Thanks again, Kalen. I really want to take the time to say thank you for listening to this interview and hearing Kalen's story. It's not every day that you, you meet people, well, at least I don't, who have been through some of life's hardest tests and 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 be able to tell about how they survived and use that experience and the way they've turned their life around to to help others. So it felt really good to not only hear his story, but actually connect with him. And I know for a fact, there were a lot of things that Kalen said that will continue to bounce around in my head, especially whenever I hit those difficult moments. And I truly hope he said something that hit you the same way. Now, next week, I'm talking about fake gold diggers. Gold spelled G-O-A-L. That's not my Southern drawl sneaking in, all right? So I wasn't referring to the metal. But there are so many people out there who have goals and are inspired by the thought of saying they want to do something but they're not doing anything to reach them. So we're going to address this because I really feel that by saying you want to accomplish something or succeed in a certain area of your life, you have to know what you should be doing and you have to stop talking about it. You have to. (laughs) You have to stop doing it just because it sounds good, all right? Just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's going to make it happen, all right? But I don't want to dig too deep into that ahead of time. I want you to subscribe and make sure you get a notification whenever it comes up. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do me a favor and share it with your friends. And I also want to make sure that people learn more about Kalen. He has a powerful story to tell and I think it'll inspire so many people who feel like they've really hit the end of the road and they they need to, they need to hear about somebody who went through something if not worse and how they use that to turn themselves around. But do me a favor and hit the share button and it's done. It takes less than 10 seconds. But until next week, take care.